Blog Talk Radio. Glad that feels more like Dork Night, right? <laughs> uh, oh, hey, Nash Sound. This is Nash Knightley, sponsored by the District Sports Page and FederalBaseball.com. <laughs> I am Pat, Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Dave Nichols from the District Sports Page on the line. After the Nationals' 7-2 win over the Mets tonight, Terry Collins lined his rotation up like they wanted. Didn't get what they wanted from Matt Harvey tonight, though, Dave. We'll start there. The Dork Night of Gotham. 16 straight scoreless versus the Nats when he took the mound. 23 straight since he allowed an earned run versus the Nats. 8 and 6 on the year. 307 ERA, 352 FIP, 227, 281, 381 line against, and 111 in the third. His first full season back from Tommy John. A 0.68 ERA versus the Nats in 40 innings pitched in his career. The Nats scored two early. RBI single by UNL Escobar. Bryce Harper scores on a botched rundown by the Mets. 2-0 early. Clint Robinson lines a hanging curve to center. Two-run double in the third. 4-0. 5-0 on an error by Daniel Murphy later in the game. He retires 14 straight after that. Settled in nicely, as we like to say, but Nats were able to get to him early. Got up 5-0 early. Held on for the 7-2 win against the pitcher who had dominated them in the past. Yeah, it was a very un-Matt Harvey-like start for Matt Harvey tonight. I mean, he issued four walks. Uh, he was shaky early. Um, it, it was apparent that he was rusty. Uh, you know, the way that they uh, they rejiggered their rotation, um, coming out of the All-Star break, it had been nine days since he pitched, and it, it looked it. Um, he, was, uh, he made some quotes in the paper the other day up in New York about not being particularly happy about getting thrown off his uh, routine and, um, and boy, did it show. I mean, um, you know, I think the bun single by Espinosa in the first inning uh, further caused him uh, angst and uh, um, just was not sharp until uh, until he'd finally thrown uh, 60 or 70 pitches and, like you said, settled in. But by that point, uh, the damage was already done. Uh, um, you know, he, he certainly didn't get any help from his fielders. I mean, uh, Daniel Murphy's an okay hitter, but, um, but boy, he stinks on defense. It seems like every time he's been playing <laughs> – uh, he's making a big error that leads to a bunch of runs, and um, you know it, it's just uh, um, you know it, it's a shame. You know if, if you're a Mets fan these days, it's a shame to, to, to watch this team um, because it's got tremendous pitching, but um, but the defense is is, is stinky, save for Lagares and center, um, and they can't hit the broad side of a bull. I mean, um, you know Harvey was the only guy that, that had a had an approach to play today um, between him, him and Degrom. Uh, they might start getting some starts in the field uh, when they're not pitching because they're the only guys on the team that can hit right now. I'm just noting on a tweet here that Desmond said Cal Ripken gave him some advice recently. Maybe that helped out tonight. We'll get to Desmond in a moment, though. Chase Hughes just tweeting that out. Uh, I want to start with the guy I was most impressed with. You got Danny Espinosa with a two-for-four night, Ian Desmond, two-for-four, Clint Robinson, two-for-four. Bryce Harper's line doesn't jump out at you when you look at the box score, but 0-2 with two walks, two runs scored on the night, entered the game 0-12 versus Harvey, 6Ks, one walk in his career against them, walked twice in his first two at-bats, comes around to score there. you think maybe Bryce Harper, maybe last year I would think this, I'd guess that he'd be a little over uh, anxious to do something against Harvey and kind of break that spell that he's been in against him, but takes what Harvey's given him again, takes those two walks, ends up scoring each time, and really an impressive night by Bryce Harper. A few nice plays in the outfield as well, and like I said, it doesn't jump out at you when you look at the box score, but watching the game, I was kind of impressed with what Harper was able to do. Yeah, that second plate appearance especially, uh, it was obvious that Harvey either wanted no part of him, it was a four-ball four walk, 
a four-pitch walk or he was just had that little command. I mean, the pitching coach came out and talked to him afterwards, so um, maybe it was more the latter than the former. But, um, you know, we've remarked all season long about um, about Harper's uh, progression here, his maturity, his maturing as as, as a hitter. Um, you know, the, the more pitches you see, the, the, the better hitter you're going to become. Um, he has shown patience. He's looking for pitches in specific areas to drive, and he's laying off of everything else. Um, and we saw it continue again tonight, a, a tremendous approach in the first at-bat. Um, like I said, the four-pitch walk in the second at-bat. So um, this is a hitter. Um, obviously, uh, you know, with the Nats, you know, I made fun of the Mets earlier about their hitting. The Nats are much better, um, you know, essentially putting four, four A guys um, in the four through eight slots. Um, but, you know, Harper is the offensive force on this team right now. And, and whether it's by taking walks and coming around to score or providing power, um, he made a couple of nice plays in the field again tonight. I mean, you know, this is um, a, a big league superstar growing up right before our eyes, and Nats fans um, should enjoy every minute of it while it happens. The Nationals were able to get to Matt Harvey early, like we mentioned. Danny Espinosa with a single, Bryce Harper with that walk in the first. They do it again in the third. Danny Espinosa singles, line drive to right to start it. Harper takes a walk, like he said, a four pitch walk there. One out later, Clint Robinson. Two-run double, just takes a hanging curve, 0-1 curve, lines at the center field, bring in two runs, put the Nationals up 4 nothing at that point, continues to impress Clint Robinson. I, I've described him before as a sort of out-of-nowhere season that he's having here. Singles again in the eighth and scores on Ian Desmond's opposite field home run. Number eight for Desi, really put a charge in one there, so it's nice to see him kind of have a good night at the plate, two for four, a run scored, two RBIs for Desmond, seven to two at that point, kind of put it out of reach for the Mets and the Nationals little insurance there. It's nice to see from Desi as someone who followed his career all the way from Montreal. I really kind of want to see him take off in the second half and try to do his best to make everyone forget, including himself, most likely what happened in the first half of the season. Right. Well, Robinson first. You know, that Harvey hung him of a curveball. He put a really nice swing on it. Um, I don't know what Lagares was doing on the play. I praised his defense earlier tonight, but um, but on that play, he was barely behind second base. He was playing so shallow on him, and uh, he got over his head and one hopped, one hopped the wall. So, um, you know, put a nice swing on on a mistake from Harvey. Um, doing Robinson's doing whatever he can to um, to stick in the big leagues. And you know, you make your debut at thirty, you want to stick around as long as you can. Um, Desmond, um, right now, it's all about damage control for him. He's got to try to put up um, some decent numbers in the second half because not only um, you know is, is he in jeopardy of um, losing playing time with the Nats, but but losing out on on a big big contract this off season. Now I will never know how much um, that pressure has played into Desmond's um, Desmond's poor year this year. Um, you know I, I wrote the other day. Um, you know when does when does a slump turn into a bad year? Well, um, you know I think we've got our answer. I mean he ran into one tonight. Um, you know got a fastball on the outside of the plate and. and you know, he, it's not for it's not for lack of swinging hard. I mean, he swings hard every time he's up there. So um, when he makes contact, it's going to go a long way, like it did tonight. Um, but I, I tried to explain to um, to, a, to a fan on Twitter that didn't understand what I was what I was talking about the other day. Um, Ian Desmond's a guest hitter. He's not a guy that's up there reading pitches, looking for a pitch to hit, much like Harper is doing, um, and and sitting on that one pitch and, and waiting for it and delivering. He's always been a guest hitter. He's always been a big swinger. Um, the problem is that he's got a slider speed bat. So when he gets his fastball and gears up for it and makes contact, it's going to go a long way. If he gets anything else, he's going to look silly on it, which is why he takes those really big swings and, and looks silly on them. 
Um, the, the problem is that those types of players don't age very well. Um, and, and if we're seeing the beginning of this with Desmond, if I'm seeing the beginning of this with Desmond, you can you know that the major league scouts are seeing it as well. Um, yes, it's not too late for him to, to, to recover. He's only 29 years old. He's got more baseball in him. Um, but he's at the point in his career where he's either got to grow as a hitter um, or he's going to have trouble um, not only earning a, a multi-year contract but staying in a big league lineup. I was going to say, a guest hitter, as you mentioned, who seems to guess fastball every time by the way he swings at some of those off-speed pitches when they go up there, some of the sliders that he misses by a couple feet. So good to see him have a good night tonight. Like I said, hopefully he can pick it up because the Nationals could really use him to do what he has over the last few seasons going forward here. They're starting to slowly look like they're going to start getting their hitters back and getting the people who've been out of the lineup all season back in that lineup for the stretch run the last two months of the season. So having a hot Ian Desmond along with those guys back in the lineup would certainly help, and having him be a black hole when those guys are back would make it even more difficult to get through this and keep him in the lineup. So good signs tonight. Hopefully something carries over and he starts figuring stuff out, but we'll have to take a wait-and-see approach after the lengthy slump he's been in so far this season. Back to positives or sort of positives, I guess, in this case. Gio Gonzalez took the mound with a streak of 15 and two-thirds scoreless against the Mets going back to September 12th of 2014. Last three starts before the break, 2-0 and with a 0-9-0 ERA, 2-1-4, 2-6-7-3-14 line against in 20 innings pitched, 8-4 and on the year, 9.25 K per 9, 1-9, uh, I'm sorry, yeah. 9.29 K for 9, 196-27-291 career line versus New York. Three scoreless, but the Mets load the bases with two outs, and Matt Harvey dumps an 0-2 fastball in the short right field, two-run single. I guarantee you Gio Gonzalez wants that pitch back. He threw really two nice fastballs outside to Harvey to get two swinging strikes at the first one. Left the third pitch he threw a little bit too too far out over the plate, and Harvey was able to get it, just dump it into short right for two runs there, the only two runs he allowed. 84 pitches after a 31-pitch fourth. The pitch count just ran up there pretty quickly on Gio. 107 pitches total after a 1-2-3-6. That was all for him on the night. Six hits, two runs, three walks, four Ks. The line looks a little better than the actual action on that field did for Gio Gonzalez, but he did enough to get the win tonight, seventh win of the season. Right. You know, it's hard to complain about a guy that gives up two earned runs in six innings, but I'm going to anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's bad enough that he gave uh, Harvey a pitch to hit in that at bat. Um, but it's really, if you go back to the walk, the Campbell is the one that killed him. And he got two quick outs in that inning. Um, the radio guys even said, you know, it'd be really nice for Gio to have a uh, one, two, three inning here. Um, and then he walks Campbell, who was three for his last 28 coming into this, to this game. So um, and that's where Gio's got to kick himself um, for this one. And, and as it usually is with Gio, um, you know, it's the walks. You know, he, he, he's, he's tough to hit. He, he gives up a low um, batting average against um, every season because he, he's, he's tough to hit. But he puts guys on via the walk. He loses his release point um, and loses his concentration, quite frankly, at time to time. Uh, Eric Campbell's a guy that, that, that the Mets need to challenge. The Gio needs to challenge there. Um, and he pitched him like he was pitching to Babe Ruth. I mean, this was a guy that you just, you know, you just pump fastballs in and make him beat you, especially if he's got a five, five run lead at that point. And he started nibbling. He started work, trying to work the corners and st- started throwing strikes and let a bad hitter get away from him, um, which, which then compounded into, you know, loading the bases and, and allowing the pitcher to get a two run single off of you. 
five two lead when he left the game, so they go to the A pen tonight before they add it on, got to a seven two lead, but Matt Thornton comes on after Geo, scoreless inning, no hits. Jansen gives up a single. Kind of interesting, in my opinion, here to see Jansen getting that uh, eighth inning role so far. David Carpenter, of course, on the DL with a shoulder issue, kind of wondering who was going to claim that spot. Jansen talked to the press last week and said that he felt like he really needed to prove to the Nationals that he was capable of doing that and wanted to go out there and prove to them that he could take over the eighth inning if they needed him to and didn't need to go out there and find someone else. I, I don't know if I agree with him on that much, but from what we've seen from him the last couple starts, he's really looked a lot better than he did uh, early 14-pitch, 10-strike inning there. Gave up the one hit, as I mentioned, but took the lead and uh, into the bottom of the eighth when Desmond's home run added to it. Well, it's interesting that, that the player has that much foresight that he says that in public as opposed to, um, you know, thinking it but not saying or, or not even having the wherewithal to think it. I mean, he realizes that, um, that his, his tenure on the team, especially as, as a major league free agent, a cheap major league free agent, um, it is to perform. I mean, he has no leeway here. And um, as we've mentioned, since he um, was activated and got on the roster, um, he's not going to fool anybody. He throws in the in the mid to or sometimes upper 90s, I mean upper 80s. Um, he's going to have pinpoint control. And when he does, um, he's relatively effective because he's um, he's tough to pick up. He's got that jerky motion and, and all those little ticks on the mound. And so he's difficult to hit against. Um, if he's hitting his spots and if he's not, he's throwing batting practice. So, um, I, you know, from the sounds of his comments, he realizes uh, his tenuous situation um, on the team to begin with. I think it was a logical choice for them to begin with him as the quote-unquote eighth inning guy because he's got veteran closing experience. Um, he's really the only one left in the pen um, that does besides Thornton, and they, they need Thornton to be that big arm in the seventh or to face lefties. Um, you know, I, I found it curious, and I'm sure we're going to talk about the transition trans, um, transaction in a minute, that they decided to bring up Abel de los Santos as opposed to um, one of the more veteran arms that they have in, in Syracuse, either Jose Valverde, who's pitching pretty well for the Chiefs, um, or Evan Meek, who apparently um, they decided to just let go so he could join a Korean team as opposed to bring up to the major league roster. Two major league arms that, that have had a lot of experience in the bullpen, they decided to reach down to double A to bring up a guy to make his major league debut in that spot. And so it, it's interesting to see what the Nets are going to do, but um, Jansen has closing experience. He just has to um, be particular, you know, be precise with his pitches as opposed to throwing batting practice. I think it's interesting every year when we go out to Nat Fest and get to talk to Mike Rizzo, all the nationals, there's usually one or two little little hints that he drops in there that end up seeming prescient at the end uh, when things happen later on in the season. When he talked to reporters this winter, he told them uh, Abel De Los Santos is a starter, made reliever. This was after they got the trade for Ross Detweiler that brought them back to infielder and uh if Abel De Los Santos, I'm going to say able until I can get that art in my head and get his name right. <laughs> Abel De Los Santos is a starter, made reliever since he's kind of the bullpen. His velocity and stuff has spiked, Rizzo told us at that point. Had a terrific year last year, and we think he'll come really quickly. Uh, stats this year so far, 4-4, four and 2-6-5 four, ERA, 2-6-8 FIP, 7 walks. It's 1.69 walks per 9, 35 Ks, 8.44 K per 9, and 37 in the third innings pitch. Kind of a surprise when we all read it last night. Not really a surprise. On the other end, that Blake Trinan, who struggled four plus walks per nine innings, three, four, six, four, twenty-seven, five, thirteen line against versus left-handed pitchers. Uh, Thomas Boswell in the Washington Post said the other day that 
Aaron Barrett and him have both struggled against left-handers. You can't really have two right-hand-only pitchers in your uh, bullpen, so not too much of a surprise by us that they send Trinan down. But Abel de Los Santos comes up. That's a little bit of a surprise, a 22-year-old former Texas Rangers prospect, now part of the Nationals' bullpen. Yeah, um, I was surprised, and I mentioned it earlier, that uh, um, that they decided to go with him, reach down to double-A, as opposed to go with one of the more veteran arms that they have. But, um, you know, the, the bigger surprise is, is uh, essentially giving up on, on trying it, and they can couch it any way they want to. But uh, as I wrote uh, on my website today, and that's districtsportspage.com for all of you that have forgotten, is that, um, you know, the Nats just don't know what to do with Trinan. I mean, he is elite against right-handed batters, um, but he can't get left-handers out at all. Um, and then the manager decides last night that um, that he's putting him into an inning where he, the two of the four batters he's going to face first um, are two elite left-handed batters, and, of course, he's going to get knocked around, and he did. Um, this is uh, this is not the player's fault. I mean, if I can look the numbers up, you know the Nationals know his numbers against left-handed batters, and they're they're not they have not been very good at putting training in a position to be able to succeed this season. Um, that that appearance on Sunday, he was destined to fail, and he did. Um, you know, if they think that that they're going to send training a, a 27-year-old uh, down to AAA to learn how to not issue walks and to get left-handers out. They're fooling themselves because once a player is 27 years old, he is what he is. They just have to learn how to how to use him um, or send him to somebody else and get an asset back for him because um, he is elite getting right-handed batters out. He cannot get left-handed batters out to save his life. I could go up there against him left-handed and get a base hit off him. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have that confidence that I could, but major league hitters certainly are this season, and it was a problem for the Nationals. They couldn't just keep on running him out there and having him blow up whenever he got out there. So not too surprising there. Not too surprising either that they're calling Joe Ross back up uh, after he was sent down. They kind of sent him to AAA, which is sort of a reward while they're sending him down, I guess, to move him up from double to AAA. Still done well down in Syracuse. Matt Williams talked about how he really opened up some eyes when he came up and made a three-start stint in the uh, rotation coming back up tomorrow to face the Mets. So it'll be nice to see Joe Ross get back up there and see if he can keep it going. Yeah, and it's a it's a great position to put him in, um, to bring him up to start a uh, spot start against the Mets, a team that can't hit their way out of wet paper bags. So um, it'll help reinforce uh, um, the positive stuff that he's done at the major league level already. And whether it's for one start, two, or ten, um, it's a good way to kick off his second stint as a big league as a big league pitcher. Seven to two tonight, fifteen forty one on the year after the win. Two more at the Mets the next two days. They got two good pitchers out there, so the Nationals have to keep this up and try to beat the Mets, keep them behind them in the National League standings. A nice win tonight, a good way to start it. Nats nightly sponsored by the district sports page and federalbaseball.com. I'll talk to you tomorrow night, Dave, after hopefully a nice start by Joe Ross. It'd be good to see him come back up. Beat the Mets, beat the Mets, step right up and beat the Mets. <laughs> And so I said, the dork night, right? Uh, Doghouse says, go now. <laughs>